Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast, and this is your host, Jack Young, and uh, we are in studio today with brother john ashquith and he is not a stranger to the podcast we just did a podcast last week and uh we titled it the effects of pornography on your mind and this is going to be part number two and uh we were thinking about the podcast as kind of a last minute thing last minute topic right before uh, we had church service that night and uh there's some other things that uh like to bring up, like to touch on, and hopefully be a help and hopefully be a blessing to you. And it definitely is a, a much needed topic, a not much needed subject. So, welcome back to the podcast, sir. Thank you very much. Yes, well, glad to be here. Um, so we talked about a book, yes, sir, and uh, it's called What Pornography Does to Your Mind or Your Brain, and it's by Gary. What's his name? Boy, I don't even have the copy in front of it right now. Um, I almost can tell you. Yeah, your mind on porn is uh, is the name of it. I think. Yes, and yeah, it's and uh, it's on Amazon. There's an Audible on, book. You true. can buy the Audible book. Yep. Uh, one thing that I encourage people to do because I did this because I knew I was thinking maybe you're coming later on in the week. I did read about forty pages of the book, and it's very good. It's super graphic, and so it's not for children. No. It's not. Um, so just realize he, he's, he's a scientist, he's a doctor and he, but he is not gonna, he's gonna, you know, the, the good, the bad and the ugly is, is, is talked about addressed in that book. And he is by no means a righteous man. We're not, no, you're it, not reading behind someone who's, he, he will careful. tell you that I, I am a far left liberal. I'm not for, uh, you know, abandoning or outlawing anything, but this is just the facts. This is what is going to do to your uh, mind and to your brain. And if you look him up, uh, on YouTube or on your podcast apps, there's a lot of podcasts that uh, he's done. I'd listened to a couple of them, uh, just briefly, uh, working around, uh, today in the church doing some odd and ends and um and he was very good and so you can kind of get a summary of his book if you don't like reading you can I, he even has a ted talk you know and i think oh, a ted yeah. talk is 20 minutes or less right. uh, and i didn't listen to his ted talk but i imagine it's very good it's just a summary of his work and then also he talks about um, different websites and things that he has uh that people go to for help or statistics or whatever on the issue and so he he yeah, he says that since 2006, this has been a big problem. He says, uh, and he says that more so than at any point in in human history, calls it a super normal stimulus. As it comes with high speed internet. You know, I actually was talking to a man who spent time in prison over uh, um, molesting children. And uh, it's something that happened when uh, he himself had been uh, a victim at one time, and then when he was uh, 17 years old or so, mm -hmm. had had uh, molested. He was just far too old. He spent time in prison over it. Uh, spent a long time in a mental health program when it was all said and done. I was talking to this particular fella, and he mentioned this. He said, "You know, he said I'm out now, and here's the real world, and I can look at anything." And he just said, "It's occurred to me." that never before in the history of man has anybody been able to look at anything they want to look at. Anything. No, 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 no. And, and that's what um, this Gary, 
I should have wrote down his name, uh, but this doctor uh, was saying that like before 2006 and before high-speed internet, um, there was shame involved in going out and getting pictures or if you, you know, you had a magazine, you know, when, when we were growing up young men, you know, if they were going to have some sort of availability, they had to have a stash somewhere secretly and it was a limited supply. If you're going to go out and get more, you'd have to go to a place in the cover of darkness and the cover of night and come out with it in a paper sack. And, uh, and, but since 2006 and high streaming internet, um, it, it's like a fire hose of stimulation. He calls it super normal stimulation and it's just really in my you know in layman's terms frying the dopamine centers of your brain you know uh one of the one of the things to to understand in this is the idea that anything that you partake in you know you, you see the oatmeal cookies you come home from school mom made oatmeal cookies and um, now in my family, there were two each. We had a lot of kids, you know, you couldn't eat as many as you wanted, but I remember going to like a friend's house and, and being stunned because I could eat as many oatmeal cookies as I wanted. And you know, after the third or fourth one, it didn't taste good anymore. Right. And that's actually a process the brain does where it's a warning signal. It shuts off the pleasure sense right. for that. So, and you've probably noticed about and, and anything. He, he, he has an illustration for that. So, uh, let's say you have meatloaf for dinner tonight. And you go home saying, I'm going to eat as much meatloaf as I want. I'm not counting. You know, you only can eat so much meatloaf. But if you go to a buffet where there's hundreds of different varieties of food, you'll even see that. I remember, I can't remember the TV show where the guy always has these food challenges. So he'll be eating like a five-gallon tub of ice cream. He's got to eat French fries while he's eating the ice cream. The French fries are not part of the, the contest, <laughs> but he's got to switch that brain and and so your dopamine centers were built there by god to keep you alive uh and so some of the things like we've had in our society and in modern society is um uh all this refined sugar well you know back our our ancestors hunter gatherers you know they come across blueberries it was very important you know it hit the dopamine center of their brain they need to eat all the sugar they can because winter's going to come you need that energy source uh now (laughs) we can eat a snickers bar and uh all this other and so we we live in obese culture because it stimulates that dopamine center this way yes well the most powerful release of dopamine is in sexual activity and so when you have this super normal stimulus it, this reward center that is triggered by heroin and crack and cocaine and all the street drugs is really um, targeted in a very unnatural fashion never seen before in the history of mankind. No, and, you know, it used to be only the most debauched kings. You, you have to be like Caligula, things. some yeah. crazy Roman empire that had access, emperor that had access to unlimited flesh. In fact, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because I do a lot of reading in history. I mean, a lot of it. And I often talk about certain periods of time. I didn't just read about a war in that period of time. Mm-hmm. I've usually had another book read, maybe a historical novel about it. Another time I'll read about a war that went through there. Another time I'm reading a, a biography that goes through there. And after a while, when you've crossed 
uh, through certain historical places many times. You get a feel for it. And there were three figures who came out in history who were particularly debauched men sexually. One of them was Caligula, mm-hmm. who was a very debauched man. And it was said uh, there was another one who was a pope around the year 400 A.D., and I don't remember his name. The other one was Prince John of Robin Hood fame. Okay. And these were debauched men mm-hmm. that no honest woman would ever want to be seen uh, near them because he would just point. You were in his bedchamber that night, and your husband would be on the rack being tortured if he didn't like it. So, uh, but at the same time, in all of my reading and going through this, I also ran across those same three men in regards to cruelty. Yes. And one of the things that happens in a breakdown of sexual morals is the compassion leaves a person mm-hmm. the more sexually debauched a place gets the more cruel it becomes mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons you know that we now can abort babies you know right up even when they come out of the womb now you've got a little time to decide if you want to keep it mm-hmm. um that natural affection is gone it, it's not there where it used to be and pornography has been one of the key players in doing that and, uh, and so there's testimony after testimony of men um, now, now here's the thing. There's older men at 2006 that uh, found, you know, came across this high speed pornography, and they could tell the changes in their life and in their personality. Yes. So he talks about older men were able to recognize that they had a problem and actually what pornography was doing to their social life. Many of them became um, uh, depressed and they they didn't have good relations, of course, with their mate and they didn't have good relations with the people that were around them in their life. They were were desensitized. And then when they quit, he says for an older man to take about three months to reset or reboot, he calls it. But in younger men who grow up from puberty onward, they're looking at these images. They just think that's the natural way of things. They do. And, and, it, and it does take, since uh, the, the younger men, the neuroplasticity of your brain, your brain is, you're always training your brain. Yes. There's those neuropathways, and uh, you're constantly training neuropathways. And for a young person, you are adapting to culture and you're adapting to civilization, and um, and so you're you're adapting your sexual norms. And when you're from young man seeing these images, you are normalizing strange, uh, abnormal behavior. One of the things he says about this uh, addiction, and any addiction is neuropathways. It's mental. Yes. Any addiction, it pretty much is the same. Um, but one of the things that he was saying is that uh, your dopamine centers, uh, like any drug, you have to increase, and you're always trying to copy the initial high. And so the pursuit, he was saying, actually of the right picture or the right scene or whatever, the, the pursuit is what's releasing the dopamine, and you need continual novelty. You need to be yes. shocked and awed. Yes. You know... Again, it goes back to this thing of sitting there eating oatmeal cookies and you just can't believe you get as many as you want. After the third or fourth, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't taste as good. And that's, again, a natural reaction God put into the human body to keep you from hurting yourself. And 
So the same thing comes down for sexual pleasure. Um, it shuts off. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is someone begins to look at some pornographic image and the first time they see it, there's, you know, we're men, you know, it's, you know, novelty. men are, yeah, yeah. Well, men yeah. see, you know, women are attracted 80% by what they hear. Men right. are attracted 80% by what Visual. they see. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things. They see these things and wow, you know, they, they look a little bit more whatever, but then what happens is the body's natural mm-hmm. defense against that shuts off. You've seen too much and the pleasure stimulus stops but the person is addicted to the dopamine rush. And so, oh no, me looking at these normal things that I thought, oh, if I could only see this, I'd be satisfied. And then, no, it doesn't satisfy anymore. It's like those cookies. It's like those cookies. So what ends up happening is they end up having to look at things that the average man who's been looking at pornography for a while, he cannot look you in the eye and discuss what he's watched. No, and... And then those dopamine centers, since they've been hit so much in the other areas of your life where you're supposed to get the dopamine release, you don't get it anymore. And so a, a lot of them, like life in general and living in general, which would give them the natural dope, you know, from uh, exercise, human to human interaction, or, you know, uh, going out there and, you know, playing a game and winning releases dopamine or just uh, different life experiences. Those dopamine centers have been punctured so many times that life itself seems meaningless and dull. Your your human to human interactions are uh, lowered. The value of them. You can't, you can't live in the moment. No, it's like any addiction. You know, one of the books that I read um, early on and, um, was uh, the history of the Pacific Garden Mission, and it's the one that was written back in 1940-41. And the man who is in charge of that, he's, oh, at that point it was a 70-year-old mission, and those stories were just wonderful, mm-hmm. and the people coming in and the, and the change and that. But he talked about the opium houses where eventually a young man would just find a shelf in a basement in a Chinese laundry or restaurant or something and just live on that shelf and just crawl out from time to time and beg and anything for that opium he's disconnected now completely Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. the world and so many of the young men today they have this addiction now to pornography and and again when they have seen what you know hopefully most people would consider normal something that really they shouldn't have seen but they Mm -hmm. looked at it um that stimulus shuts off there and it doesn't do for them what it did, but they are addicted to that dopamine rush that came. And suddenly looking at something that we would consider, well, that's kind of normal, doesn't do it anymore. No. So they've got to stretch into left field. They've got to look for things. So, you know, you wives, for example, that have caught your husbands looking at pornography, there is a serious issue there, mm-hmm. Okay. When he was a single young man, he just couldn't could dream about having his own woman. And, and now, because of the unnaturalness of the pornography and the dopamine rush that he's getting out of this, he's probably become less interested, not more interested. Yeah, absolutely. And so many of them think, this will turn me into this virile man. Well, no... It, it, and what they're doing through those images, again, it's those mental repetitions that you are training your mind that this is how you're uh, going to get excited. 
And so you've perverted, you've warped your brain. And so a a God-given appetite is now perverted. And so when, you know, you're with your spouse or whatever, it's, you've warped, you've literally warped your mind in a different direction. I remember when uh, I was on a power, power lifting uh, program, uh, it's called Wendler 531. And I remember going in the gym as an organized gym, you'd go in there and I'd punch in what uh, I was supposed to do for the day. And uh, every fourth week is, um, is called the deload week. And the deload week, you only do 20% of the weight. And so the first couple, I thought that is the most stupid thing I've ever seen. I'm supposed to back squat, you know, 95 pounds, five times. What in the world is that supposed to do to me? Uh, but what they were doing, it was mental training, those neural pathways. So you're teaching your body how to go down with weight and how to go back up. You're giving your body a break from the strain of the weight, but you still are teaching your body. It's good. And so you went, you know, when these guys are repeatedly watching this stuff, they're training their mind in a particular area. And we had talked last time too, that, uh, you know, from a little bit of my reading and, you know, at these, after these experts, which these secular experts agree. And, uh, and then they also say that there's going to be a huge wave coming. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when the tobacco industry, you know, told you, these are the cigarettes your doctor recommends <laughs> yes. and it, you have a cold smoke menthol and that'll, <laughs> that'll soothe your lung. And then now, you know, there's been a backlash, but it's going to be the same thing coming with pornography is that we're just going to see a huge wave of people being uh, born from the year 2000 on who have grown up uh, influenced by this. And they're going to have all sorts of mental problems, dysfunction uh, physically uh, as far as in their relationships and then also mental problems because of the way that they have warped their mind through pornography. Well, one of the things that there is a clear link between is cruelty and and pornography. Um, Those three... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Prince John, Caligula, and that one pope from the year 400. How about Tiberius, Emperor Tiberius? During the time of Christ, he lived out in a butte, I can't remember, out out away from the city of Rome because so many people hated him, and he was such Mm. a weirdo. And the Tiberius leap was they would bring in all sorts of young boys from out at the mm. soldiers would bring them to the island, and he would, you know, do whatever with them at these big, sickening yeah. pedophile parties and then make the young boys jump off of the Tiberius leap off of, uh, you look it up, you know, oh, Tiberius leap. Yep. So, but the Violent. thing is what ends up happening historically is cruelty mm-hmm. and sexual wantonness go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason is it, one of the books that I really recommend parents read and it's, it's called hooked and it's the, the science of how casual sex is affecting our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it talks about, um, well, it, it talks about how that today, usually a young child gets their first sexual stimulus, 14, 15 years old. And you know, sometimes, many times, even younger than that. Mm-hmm. And what people didn't realize before is that it changed the neural pathways of their brain. Mm-hmm. They'll never go back to what they were. And, and part of what happens is God designed us 
so that when a young woman and a young man have the first intimate contact with each other, it forms a bond. Mm-hmm. And we're to the point we call it one flesh, where suddenly his flesh is not repulsive, hers isn't repulsive. The smell of the musk behind his ear is dear to her, whereas it, before it was just a stinky, sweaty guy. And, and three times in the way God created women, that is released in them where that happens. The next one's when a child's in the birth canal. Uh, that's released. Mm-hmm. And you just think of the wisdom of God. You know, I remember being with my wife, and she's in agony. And, you know, I'm not one of these guys who wanted to be right there watching all that. <laughs> I want to be up near the head, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, But, you know, she'd be holding her hand, and I'm in agony for her. Mm-hmm. And then the baby's born. I'm not over it, but she is. You know, yeah. oh, you know, and what happened there is God actually triggered chemicals in her mm-hmm. that bonded her with that child in the mm-hmm. midst of it all. The third time in a woman's life is lactation when she's uh, when she's nursing, and again, that book talks about that. Well, the problem is what happens with a young girl, fourteen years old, who bonds with another fourteen-year-old boy who they can never stay together, mm-hmm. and. So what ends up happening is that bond ends up getting broken because he's with Mary Sue next week. And the book actually says she goes through a depression as deep as divorce. Sure. She's just a 14-year-old girl. And there's no one else there to comfort her. The school nurse will give her a condom, but no one's there to comfort her but her friends. So what she ends up doing then is bonding with another young man when she hasn't healed yet. Right. And the book actually says by the third or fourth, maybe the fifth guy, she becomes like a piece of tape that can't stick to the wall anymore. Sure. Her, her ability to bond broke. Mm-hmm. And this is where the Apostle Paul says without natural affection. Sure. Okay. And so this goes on with them. Well, that's the same natural affection that makes them love their children. So mm-hmm. stand in Walmart sometime and watch young women and one of the things you'll notice, they don't have that same bond that grandma used to have. Sure. They don't have that bond that your mama had. Sure. They don't have that. They're broken. And you can, you can take a young man. Now, you know, statistically we see that, um, that people here in recent years have had less sexual encounters than they did previous years. And they say it's because of the Internet age. Uh, so there's a whole new thing going on. Dude, let's say a young man, like, you know, he hit 12 or 13, he comes across video images. Yep. Let's say he doesn't have relations with a girl for 10 years. But for 10 years, I mean, he is viewing all sorts yes. of stuff that King Solomon never saw. Yep. <laughs> that, you know, Tiberius, who, yep. you know, made the young boys jump off the cliff. I mean, all that stuff and he has trained his mind that this is intimacy right there yes so by the time the girl comes around his his mind is so bent and his mind is so warped and um one of the things the difference is um you know between 2d and 3d is that um the dopamine is especially present when when on the screen so dopamine rush huge dopamine rush there on the screen uh where actual relations with a between a man and a woman oxytocin is released and that is the community hormone in your body that really bonds you to the person you know i was talking to a young man here recently 
hardworking young man, uh, again, who suffered from these very things. And he talked about how it got to the point that even though he had a girlfriend and she's sleeping in the same bed as him, he's not really interested in anything that can go on with them anymore. No, no. And, uh, you know, and I, it's an immoral thing. They're sleeping together, but it's certainly not a virtuous reason that he's mm-hmm. not touching her. It's because he has been perverted in his mind. It's been destroyed inwardly. And one of the things that goes hand in hand when sexual perversion comes, cruelty comes with it. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that are hand in hand. The three most debauched kings I've ever run into also turn out to be the three most profound torturers caligula would not eat a meal unless someone was being tortured in front of him mm-hmm. and prince john enjoyed torture he enjoyed that that pope and enjoyed that, it that anxiety from a some sort of crazy visual violent act releases dopamine in people's minds so you know in that in that book you gave me you're you're what pornography does to your brain, uh, he talks about there's a descent. Yes. Where, again, you're viewing something that doesn't quite do it, so you're clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking. Again, you can see so many visual visual images now you could never see before, and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling, and then, boom, something hits you. Yep. And it, the first time you see it, it might be absolutely disgusting to you, but dopamine, it hit the dopamine center of your brain, and so you've got guys that... Uh, uh, you know, have disgusting vis- viewing yes. habits because it it brought them on a descent. You know, yes. we we had that uh, preachers meeting last week that uh, that you came to, and uh, Brother Swanky was telling me he said, "I know three preachers in the last month that got in trouble, and this was because of vile pornography yep. got them in trouble." Yep, and he was telling that Dalton Robertson. He, you know, Dalton's got a funny sense of humor. You know, and he said, I, I want to send Jimmy Swagger to support check. <laughs> he says, here you have a man, you know, exchange, you know, exchange of funds between adults. And, you know, and of course, it was a yes. big joke that here you got normal yes. inside some sort of normal parameter versus abnormal. Yes. And what happened to those preachers is a pornography is addicting. Mm-hmm. Because yes, it has that dopamine so, rush. So, with every bit as addicting as, like, if you and I took, there's some drugs like um, Oxycontin. Yes. Remember Rush Limbaugh? He got addicted yep. to Oxycontin. He had to go to a rehab center. And uh, but anybody like who takes Oxycontin for a yep. period of time, whether they need to or not, man, you're going to be addicted. Yep. And so, again, the sad part is, is they get themselves involved in, in at first looking at something that. Uh, might be considered, say, soft porn, but it gave them that quick little dopamine rush. Mm-hmm. And they did not realize what that was. There was a little kick to that. Yeah. And uh, and the next thing you know, they thought to themselves, if I could only see this, I would be satisfied. Right. No, you won't be satisfied. That road is a long and a terrible road. And you will never find satisfaction in it. Never. Mm. And there's uh, industries out there dragging you more and more down that road of debauchery. And, you know, let's face it, brother, there's going to be some people listening to this because professionally they're going to listen to whatever you put out there and they're Mm -hmm. in that trap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the first thing to do is recognize I'm in this trap. And so I think we we covered that a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it is a slippery slope. 
and is not going to, you're going to end up in places you do not want to be. Don't mess with it. You're not above it. You're going to be addicted. Uh, and so if you're in it at all, first thing you got to realize that you're up against something serious, not a joke. No, it's not a joke. It's transforming you on the inward part into mm-hmm. something you never it's gonna, want. It's going to ruin be. all your relationships, not just with uh, you know your spouse or whatever, but with the people around you, and it's going to ruin your legacy. You know, as it says in Proverbs, that uh, that 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 name, you'll you know you're never going to get back. No. And, you know, for, let's say the man right now that's listening to this and a little bit ashamed and, and you know, he's, he's on that path or whatever, and, and already it's, it's affecting his relationship with his wife. She does not have the same attraction. One of my sons, I have seven sons, and one of them was talking about somebody he works with who's a virile young man, fairly handsome, pickup truck, and a very mm-hmm. pretty girlfriend. And that boy actually told him, oh, we don't do anything together anymore. He said, I can do much more just by myself. And and she'll actually, she'll sleep with him, but he's lost interest yeah. in doing that. And again, I thank God they're not fornicating, but I grieve over the reason because it's not for righteousness. Yeah, sake. it's just a, a yeah. disgusting thing. You, you think, like, that is, that is unnatural affection. Yes. You know, God, God put, you know, you know, food, shelter, reproduction, that is like hardwired into. You got food and shelter, the next thing you're you're going to be thinking about as a human being coming into adulthood is, you know, finding a mate and having children. And that is something that is is natural to all the species that God put here on this earth. You know, that book hooked the science of how casual sex is affecting our children. One of the things they talk about is that a man, unlike a woman, can have multiple sexual partners. You know, we see kings and that that mm-hmm. did, whereas a woman is not so wired. Um, even the hippie communes of the 60s realized that didn't work when mm-hmm. we were having breakdowns and things with that. But what a man does have, he has a sense of protection. He's the bull in the pasture. He might have 40 heifers in there, but he's going to run over anything that's mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. But we live in a society where he's told, you don't own me. You can't touch me. And it actually breaks him on the inward parts. It turns him into something that God and nature never designed him to be. And so in the end, he ends up stimulating himself through weird, bizarre, twisted things that have to get worse and worse all the time. And so... The younger generations now, and I forget all the names they give them, millennials and Gen X and all this kind of thing, but the younger ones now who are in their 17, 18, 19, and 20, there's an unbelievable percentage of them who see themselves as what we would have called perverted, you Mm -hmm. know, bisexual and things of that sort. And let me tell you something, Brother Young. You know, at the Black Creek Baptist Church, we're in Allegheny County. And Allegheny County, back in the... When Oregon and Washington were being um, populated, the advertisements for wives actually said, we want no one from Allegheny County, New York, <laughs> okay, That's because funny. of the incest. Sure. And, you know, we lose population every census. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the people, once in a while, someone will come out and get a good job. It's rare. They hold on to it. They're loyal to their jobs. But probably 40% of the people, they just have to leave. There's no yeah. work. Yeah. 
Then we have a class of people who stay who second, third, fourth generation welfare. Sure. This is just what they are. And, and that's typical Northeast um, yeah. county seat folk. Yeah, who are on the dole. And that's that's true all over the state of New York. Yeah. So, you know, when they come to the Black Creek Baptist Church, they're usually a mess. Sure. Uh, you know, I have to deal with things there. Former everything, right? Former everything. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, I've had lesbian couples sitting in the back. And uh, I remember one particular Sunday, a girl that I'd been working with brought in a lesbian lover and sitting in the back. She had her children. And at the same time, well-dressed couple that had never been there before came and here's this girl that I've done all this work with and she's brought in this just butchy looking lesbian person and and my heart went out to her and later on that couple told one of my deacons and said well we'll probably never come back here you know that's not the kind of place we want to be and the thing that's sad is I've heard that couple split up their marriage is destroyed had they stayed at the Black Creek Baptist Church, maybe, maybe God yeah. could have done something. God's yeah. delivered so many couples. And that particular couple, you know, that lesbian couple, um, fortunately, the one girl got out of that. You know, yeah. it's just, yeah. but they don't, they get there from hurt. They get right. there because they're so bruised, they're so wounded. And if I kicked out all the people in my church who had crossed those roads, we wouldn't have many people. <laughs> right. Yeah, and we're supposed to reach them. And so we do live in a Corinthian culture. And uh, Paul, Paul spent, uh, I think it was tw 25 chapters of the Bible writing to Corinthians. So obviously yeah. he cared about these former... And he said, Anything. such were some, some of yeah. you. And yeah. So what, so what advice, are, you know, cause there's going to be somebody listening. Okay. I, all right. I agree with you guys. It's a bad road, but I'm on it. How do I get off? Well, that's the first statement. It's a bad road and I'm on it. And understand that it is an addiction as, a, as addicting as heroin itself. Mm -hmm. It's releasing mm -hmm. the same chemicals. And you yourself know that you're ashamed of what you're looking at. That it's not like when you were a boy and found a playboy by the side of the road or something like that. You're, you're looking at stuff twisted beyond the pale. You would be so ashamed if people knew what you were looking at. Mm -hmm. And you yourself have lost that shame, and that should tell you something about where you're at. So, A, understanding this is an addiction, where there are chemicals running through my body because I'm looking at this and the chemicals keep shutting off and I have mm -hmm. to keep looking for mm -hmm. harder and harder, weirder and more perverted things. And to understand, uh, you know, Brother Paul Scott, we know him mm -hmm. and his work in Vietnam and he talks about how many of the women in these churches, and I mean, these are wonderful people, uh, churches, Baptist, Protestant churches. There might be a hundred people in there, and yet the older women are all in agony because they were all used for pornography at one point. Oh, yeah. It was so yeah. ubiquitous, and just everywhere they went. And the sad part is, in our churches are the men who paid for it, yeah. who sat there and relieved themselves and played miserable little games with their own body that they would be ashamed if mm -hmm. anyone saw watching at this poor woman what she went through. So... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the thing is, first of all, is stand up and say, this is disgusting. I have a problem. Then you need a help. Mm -hmm. You need someone else who can work with you on this. 
Um, your wife has already noticed. Maybe she hasn't caught you with pornography. She may suspect it. But let's face it, your, your affection is nowhere what it was. Okay? You yeah. can't. It's impossible no. for it to be and, there. and even throughout the day, all your interactions with people are going to be skewed and messed up because you, you've uh, ruined that dopamine center of your brain, yes. which can be recovered. Yes. Um, and, and so, you ha- yeah, you have, have to come forward and you have to let people know who love you in your life that you have an addiction that you have a problem. And I would say too, like to the wives, um, is that you need to look at that as a, as a sin sickness, as an addiction. Yes. And it definitely is a sin sickness. Yeah. And do not, you know, as much as possible, do not take that uh, personal other than it's a sin against you. Yes. But it's, it's not, it does, it's not an indictment on, your beauty or your no, looks because not, no, nothing in a natural relationship is going to um, compete with, again, this super normal stimulation uh, here of this um, high-speed internet age, pornography age. You know, demographically, there are only two groups of people in the United States who, after 40 years of marriage, have a very consistent honeymoon-type relationship. Those are Amish and Orthodox Jews. Okay. People who, you know, let's face it. I've been with my wife now for 40 years. She has borne me eight children. And you want to know something? She don't look like she did 40 years ago. And the cruelest thing that I could do is watch some R-rated movie where some woman takes her shirt off and there she sits there with these breasts that have been enhanced, first of all, by an airbrush and standing out there smartly. They're not like the breasts of a woman that's borne my children and suckled them. And, and, and again, all these different features are, are, are different. And what a cruel thing for me to start being attracted to mm-hmm. those women in those things. So learn, first of all, to guard your eyes. Learn to do that. Get out of this nonsense, okay? Um, and what ends up happening with these Orthodox Jews and these Amish, they don't have those other stimuluses in there. No, they don't, you know, and they don't, they don't look at screens, no, they don't look at screens. So you know, fa- they don't have Facebook. They yeah. don't, they're not looking. Uh, they're not watching movies with. Uh, no, so here's the you know the old man with the prayer shawl and the yarmulke on, and he's coming home from the shul, and yeah. you know, and he steps in, and there's Mama, and she's you know got about a hundred pounds it, more than she did forty years yeah. ago, and and you know, and she's missing but, half her teeth, and her hair's all gray and up in a bun. But you want to know what's the most beautiful sight he's seen yeah, all absolutely. day, and they say it, those words back and, and forth. And it's uh, it's more about two souls than it is about two bodies. Yes. It's not just the base. You know the basis, basic, uh, most. I don't know what the word I'm looking for really. You know the more. You know this stuff is not. It's not about lust. Yes. It's about two souls that love each other, and it's you know the you know they're they're in a loving honeymoon relationship for forty plus years. The rarest thing on earth anymore is for two virgins to marry, mm-hmm. and. Um, Recently, as far as I could tell, and I think we had a, a marriage like that in, in our church, and just such a happy young couple. I know for a fact that the young man had had an, uh, a pornography problem for a while. He'd actually counseled with me over it. And one of the agreements that we had is that he would not make any moves forward with that girl until he could look at me and say that 
that's over. Yeah, that's it's good, done. Good and the day came when he could say to me, yeah. he said, hey, it's a pastor. It's done. It's over. So Mitch, you have a problem getting accountability. Uh, yeah, problem. an accountability a partner. And realize, hey, this is what's going on. And, and uh, protect yourself. Like yes. you're trying to quit smoking, you wouldn't keep a, a pack of smokes in your front pocket. No. And so he really did come to that point when he could do it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and fortunately, the two of them, they're just, they're a happy young couple. They Amen. never miss the house of God. They're just always yeah. there. And, yeah. You know, they got a baby together. And, and, and I love seeing that. And one of the, one of the big things that, uh, that is mentioned when you study this is that uh, people who have a pornography addiction cannot enjoy the simple things of life. No. No, they cannot. Uh, it is it. There's so many things that it twists and it ruins inside of them, mm-hmm. and it breaks them. And you know, Fanny Crosby sung of that. She said, "Deep in the human heart, touched by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore." And then she goes no. on to say, "Strings that are broken can vibrate once more." And what we have here, I know we're you know. We're trying to handle this thing of pornography with kind of a scold to the guys. Hey, get out of it. We're trying yeah. to show them a little bit of the, the science of what's going on here. But um, the world doesn't know how to heal these people. One of the things that the uh, the book talks about that we've been talking about is that Gary Wilson. Gary, okay, thank you. That is the name, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what Gary Wilson writes about, he talks about how in China there's three websites with three million users who are men who know they're addicted to pornography. And they're not there for moral reasons. They're not there no. because they love Jesus. No. They're, they're, these are men who realize this is destroying my life. It has turned me into something that I don't want to be. And he talks about large communities in the United States of people just like that who are on these various websites trying to get off of this stuff. And, and, one of the things that ends up happening is their memories become bad. Right. And it desensitizes them. One of the things I learned about the relationship between vile sexual habits and cruelty is they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. The more a person becomes desensitized by looking at these perverted things, the more he can walk by his 14-year-old son who's going through a difficult time in life and not care. You know, the more yes. that he can see his wife crying and just not care that she's crying. Just, you know, the old lady, she's giving me trouble again. And mm-hmm. he's he's been desensitized by this. It's turned him into a brute beast meant right. to be taken and destroyed. And he has an emergency in his life. And again, as Fanny said, deep in the human heart, touched by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore mm-hmm. Both my wife and I are ex-street people, and that's not something like we're proud of, you know, while we're so glad we were. And it was at two different times in our lives. And my wife once or twice has stood in front of churches, and each time I thought it was necessary what she said, where she just stood and talked, frankly, of the shame of living that life, of mm-hmm. having been a street person and what that was. And And again, it's not something that, you know, we talk about or dwell on or anything of that sort. But to us, that feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Oh, we have lived that. And, and God has been so good to us. And, you know, um, we want to keep that honeymoon attraction going. And, and the sad part is, is these people who get into this stuff, they lose those relationships. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. don't have them anymore. And so, 
Here's these young men who thought, well, I'm watching this stuff. It'll turn me into a virile animal. No, it turned you into a, a disgusting little dog mm-hmm. laying in a corner licking its private parts. And, and, and that's what so many of these men are. Men who are listening to this podcast right now religiously, you've become that. That's mm-hmm. what you are. And, you know, if you're living in the, in the Webster area, I'm certainly going to recommend that you look up Pastor Jack Young. Is he a genius? No, but you know, he's, he knows a good friend of mine, a man by the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. There's a million Jesuses out there and everybody's styled a Jesus for whatever they want. But here at the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Webster, the Jesus Christ is the Jesus Christ of a King James Bible. And that is the Jesus Christ that settled this nation with those original settlers, those pilgrims, those men that stood at Lexington and Concord, that fought and clashed in the Civil War and went on the beaches of Normandy. And that's the Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's, and you need that Jesus Christ. And you need him not just as something to hang around your neck and some little Sunday thing or whatever else. You need a real relationship with him and need to understand that if you did have a real relationship with him, you would not be doing what you're doing. Right. I'm not saying you're lost, but I am saying that you're in bad condition. If you are saved, if you live after the flesh, you shall die, Romans 8, 13. But if you're living that way and he hasn't touched you, You're a bastard, not a son. Mm -hmm. You're in bad condition. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you wonder, which way is it? Okay. Let me tell you something. I'm looking at a pastor here that we're doing this uh, broadcast together who himself lived in a pastor's family for 22 years. His lost man went to Bible college, thought he had it all and realized he didn't. And by the grace of God found salvation in this man, Christ Jesus. Amen. I myself was just a foolish, perverted young man, tried to go the religious way, and um, I was actually one of those uh, uh, young know-it-alls that sit in the back of Baptist churches, read all of Peter Ruckman's books, and try to correct the pastor or whatever else, (laughs) and a convert of Oliver Green's pointed at me one day and said, young man, if you knew what I really thought of you, you'd leave here, and I ended up getting converted burden under that man. I mean, real born again salvation, not one of these little fall mm-hmm. things where you run around and, uh, you know, uh, mess with things or whatever else. And, um, this is really what you need. You need a God big enough to handle you. Right. You could, need, the, yeah. the great physician. Yes. And that's, uh, if you're saved or, you know, if you're not saved, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people, um, are orthodox in their mind, uh, but they're devils in their heart. I mean, they, they, uh, confess Jesus with their mouth, but not with their heart. Their heart's far from them. And, uh, and so make sure that you save. Make sure that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You know, admit you have a problem, find an accountability problem or accountability partner, and uh, make sure that you have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, say, yeah, no, I'm saved, and I still have this problem. Well, you need more of Jesus than you have currently. Let them cr- you know, crowd into your life. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. It's just, it's a promise. Mm-hmm. And if you be without chastisement, you're bastards and not sons. And there's, there's, there, um, now the man who wrote the book, and he's secular, he's far left, liberal. Yep. He's not saying there's some, something uh, uh, morally wrong with pornography. Uh, he's saying that it's doing harm. 
and I'm, I'm just reporting what the findings are. His answer is really uh, replacing it with something. So you're going to have to replace it with something else. And so we agree with him this this uh, this point. You know, you're replacing the bed with the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, and you're going to crowd out the bad with the good. Uh, Bible reading, be at church. You know, you are who your friends are. You are who you are around. And be in church and be busy with the Lord's work and the Lord's people. And uh, that time that you have have spent for wrong, you know, build walls around that. Again, you know, the Bible says flee from temptation. That means you put it as far away from you as possible. And never in Scripture do you find yourself supposed to be standing in the face of temptation. You're always supposed to keep it far removed yes. from you. And I, I know a lot of preachers, that good men of God, that they are far, far more holy than I am. You know, they, they don't have any access to any Internet at all, have, you know, blocks on their smartphones and things like that, just, just because they want to keep any temptation as far removed from them as possible. Yes, it will turn you into something you never wanted to be, that God never intended you to be. Mm-hmm. It will hurt you in your memory. It will hurt you in your sociability. It will hurt you in your conscience. It will hurt you in your love life. And more than anything else, mm-hmm. you will actually stand there. Some girl whose uh, parents have no idea what's going on, and someone has convinced her to help with this film, and she's ashamed. And, you know, you think, oh, well, girl like that's going to go to hell. Not as much as the person who financed yeah. it, which yeah. is you that watched it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are broken women. Those are broken mm-hmm. men. Those are broken people. And, again, it's a terrible thing they're broken, but you're financing it. That, yes, right. And that's you need help. You need to stretch out to someone. If you're here in the Webster area, I know that uh, Pastor Jack Young uh, is is just a man who will love you and he will care for you. Okay, if you're down in Allegheny County, we'll love you and care for you. Uh, we're not the only ones by any means on God's earth that know how to love you and to care for you. But you need to tell somebody you've got a problem because let's face it, you haven't been able to stop. Right, and you need to. Right. Yeah, and you're going to be an accountability partner, a godly accountability partner, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're replacing the bad with good. Uh, and uh, like our, uh, you know, our, our friend Gary Wilson there, now he's secular. He's replacing something that's better with what's bad. But we're, we're replacing uh, bad with the best, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, relationship to him, relationship to the church family, and uh, God is a great physician. And it's always funny. Now, here's a secular guy we're talking about, uh, but, but science, uh, religion isn't opposed to science, or no. God is not opposed to science. Science is always catching up with God. That's exactly right. Yes, and sir. And so all this guy's doing is proving the Bible correct. Yes, sir. And uh, we know that imaginations of, of man's heart from Genesis 6, a Tower of Babel, or 9, or 6, yeah, Genesis 6, the imaginations of man's heart were evil continually. And, um, again, we're going to God with our problem. Yeah. We're going with the people who love them with our problem. And there is hope. There's restoration. And, uh, and people by way of testimony have, you know, have, have told us that they've overcome this 
things have been uh, they, things that were broken will vibrate once more. Yes, Amen. You know, at the Black Creek Baptist Church, and uh, I've been there for 15 years now, and I know, Brother uh, Young, you were there the other day, and uh, we had uh, 43 people or something like that, and three of them you brought, and 40 of them just came out for a Thursday night Bible study Amen. to listen. And, um, and I looked around that particular night, this isn't all the time, but in that particular night, there was no one there who'd grown up in fundamentalism. Sure. They were, and I do have some who grew up in fundamentalism who do come to that, but that particular night, none of them, they're all just people who were hurt so bad by the world, so bad, and just the most debauched, horrible things in their life. And because my wife and I, we have known the bruises and the hurts of sin. We've had a, a grace from God, I guess, to talk to them and show them that there's hope. And they began to come into the house of God and realize, my goodness, I lived a clean day and I don't hurt tonight. I could go to sleep without being in agony or whatever else. And um, the life in Christ Jesus, to get rid of that stuff. Amen. And, you know, when I look through, almost everyone there has been hurt so bad by mm-hmm. these sins, just so bad, mm-hmm. and they're so crippled from them. And yet, again, deep and in there's the human a joy heart, there. There's, there's a yeah, spiritual life there. I buried that there's grace a can restore restoration, and the you know the Black Creek Baptist Church is a real deal, man. And you're doing a great job there. That's an exciting church to be in. And uh, but every, you know, every church that I have participated in since uh, I I've been saved. There's always a bunch of Eustis in there. That's what I call them. Uh, you know, they used to be a this. They used to be a that. They used to do this. They used to do that. And I, I know when the jail ministry always tell us guys, now listen, you know, you come to church. I said, you're going to look around and see clean cut, good smelling people, you know, and, and you're going to think that they just grew up in church, never had a bad day in their life, barely ever sinned, maybe told a little white lie one time. Uh, but let me tell you something, every church I've ever been in is filled with Mary Magdalene's and yes. Matthew, you know, the, the publican and the tax collector and Zacchaeus and all, all the other publicans and sinners. That's right. uh, Either, got, they came in and God cleaned them off. Much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. Amen. Wow. Got any last words? Admit you have a problem. Okay. Mm. Uh, admit it. Um, I'll just say this. I had a young man who about four years ago was caught by his wife looking at, he laid his phone down, forgot to turn his pornography off. She found it. It was just stunning to her. And we sat in my office and talked, and, and she was ready to, to leave him. Um, and it was just such a, sh- a shock to her that such should go on. And we sat there and discussed the safety protocols and everything else and what could be done. And, and you know what? He learned a way of letting her look at his phone and everything else. And about six months ago, he came to her and said, all I really learned was new ways to hide it. And he said, I want you to know that I've been lying to you for three years. And I want you to know that if you leave me, you're right. And he says, but I want you to know you didn't catch me with this. That I know. His own volition. Yeah. And now that young man today, he 
he leads what I call my young Methodists, so a bunch of young men that are just unstable in one way or another. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know what? His wife has complete and utter trust in him because uh. he came to her of his own volition. He came to her, and it really is out of his life. It is gone. And you know, let me tell you something. You can have that life. Jesus mm. wants to give it to you. Amen. There's a pastor here in Webster. would love to help you with that if you need some help. Amen. All right. Thank you, Brother Ashquith. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for listening today to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. We'd appreciate that very much. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by emailing us at pastoralthoughtsmail at gmail.com. And you can find out more about us at pastorjack.org. God bless you and have a wonderful day.